Let us come to God in worship. Let us pray. Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever you had formed the earth and the world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. You turn us back to dust and say, turn back, you mortals. For a thousand years in your sight are like yesterday, when it is past, or like a watch in the night. You sweep them away. They are like a dream, like grass that is renewed in the morning. In the morning it flourishes and is renewed. In the evening it fades and withers. Turn, O Lord, how long? Have compassion on your servants. Satisfy us in the morning with your steadfast love, so that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. The Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. In recognition that our ways have not been righteous and often we have gone down wicked paths, we turn to our merciful God to confess our sin and ask for God's forgiveness. Let us pray. Lord, we come to you with questions that are not genuine, seeking only your affirmation of our behavior and opinions. We assume our own righteousness and quickly condemn others in your name, forgetting that our ways are not your ways, our judgment, not your judgment. We do not take time to examine our hearts and seek your will. We jump to conclusions and neglect a life of prayerful discernment. Help us, gracious God, to humble ourselves before you and listen. Give us the courage to hear your corrective word and act upon it in ways that reveal our love for your Savior, Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. Approved by God to be entrusted with the message of the gospel, in joy we proclaim that through Jesus Christ we are forgiven. The old life is gone, a new life has begun. Thanks be to God. Amen.
The prayer for illumination. Lord, your word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. We need not stumble in darkness, nor fear the light, because you send your son to be the light of the world. In this hour of worship, we ask to be illumined by your wisdom and will through the power of your living word, read and proclaimed. Amen. The scripture lesson from the Old Testament is from Deuteronomy chapter 34, verses 1 through 12. Moses climbed from the plains of Moab to Mount Nebo, the peak of Pisgah facing Jericho. God showed him all the land from Gilead to Dan, all Naphtali, Ephraim, and Manasseh, all Judah reaching to the Mediterranean Sea, the Negev and the plains which encircled Jericho, city of Palms as far south as Zoar. Then and there God said to him, this is the land I promised to your ancestors, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob with the words, I will give it to your descendants. I've let you see it with your own eyes. There it is, but you're not going to go in. Moses died there in the land of Moab. Moses, the servant of God, just as God said, God buried him in the valley in the land of Moab, opposite Beth Peor. No one knows his burial site to this very day. Moses was 120 years old when he died. His eyesight was sharp. He still walked with a spring in his step. The people of Israel wept for Moses in the plains of Moab 30 days. Then the days of weeping and mourning for Moses came to an end. Joshua, son of Nun, was filled with the spirit of wisdom because Moses had laid his hands on him. The people of Israel listened obediently to him and did the same as when God had commanded Moses. No prophet has risen since in Israel like Moses, whom God knew face to face. Never since has there been anything like the signs and the miracle wonders that God sent him to do in Egypt, to Pharaoh, to all his servants, and to all his land. Nothing to compare with that all-powerful hand of his and all the great and terrible things Moses did as every eye in Israel watched. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I see that the Irwins have their children with, with them. <laughs> yes, I um, know. I... This morning I wanted to uh, talk about how things are just exactly the same as they've always been. We always, we've been talking a lot in recent months about how things are different, how things have changed, how things are going to be different going ahead. And we haven't talked so much about how things are exactly the same as they've always been. And for me, having something, anything, be exactly the same as it's always been is pretty comforting. So today I thought we would, I would think about some things that are exactly the same as they've always been. 
So the first thing is that God loves me. I know this. I've known this all of my life. And I will continue to know that. God loves me. And that's never going to change no matter what happens in the world. That's not going to change. The second thing is, is that my family loves me. And I love my family. And that's not going to change. And the third thing I noticed yesterday is that the seasons are going to keep coming around. We're going to have fall and now we're going to have winter coming up next and then it will be spring and then we will have summer. And nothing that we do or say or believe in is going to change that. We're going to have the seasons and they are going to keep happening. And God is going to keep being present in our lives through all of the things that are happening. So I'm going to try this week and month and year, rest of this year, to take comfort in knowing that there are things that are not changing and that they are exactly the same as they've always been. Can we have a word of prayer? Dear God, thank you for the things that are just the same. Your presence in our lives, the presence of our families and our friends, the presence of the changing seasons and the things that we know are going to happen. And keep us steady and calm because we know that these things are always going to be there. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you, Debbie. I invite you to join me in prayer. O oh God, creator of heaven and earth, out of deep waters you brought us to birth, claimed us as children of wonder and worth, O oh God of deep flowing waters. Amen. It probably would be strange for you to think of it in this way, but I spent most of this week working on this sermon feeling as if I was preparing for a funeral. Preparing for a funeral of someone really big. You know, one where the church in normal times would be packed and overflowing to the brim there would be people out in the parking lot with the windows open just waiting to hear and every room in the church would be full of people hearing about, about Moses. Moses, the man whose name literally means drawn from. Drawn from, drawn from the water. Because that, after all, is how he was saved. He was 
drawn from the waters by Pharaoh's daughter. Moses, who was an Israelite raised in Pharaoh's court by Pharaoh's daughter. Moses, who killed an Egyptian who was beating up on one of his fellow Israelites. And then he runs away. You remember the stories, you really can't run away from God. You know that. You can try, but that's when God sends things like bushes burning up in the wilderness. Bushes burning up that aren't consumed. Earlier this week, I was talking with folks about call and that sense that sometimes God has to nudge us along and I related, actually, that in my case, God has used two-by-fours to get me to pay attention. And God does that with Moses, with a burning bush. And an answer to absolutely every one of Moses' statements about why he certainly cannot be the one to draw his people into a land of promise. And God says, much like Debbie said, I will be with you. God promises to be with Moses, to be the one guiding Moses, to be the one taking care of Moses and all the Israelites. And so Moses trusts God and Plagues happen, and he goes before the Pharaoh and says, let my people go. (laughs) They trust through the plagues, through that final plague with the angel of death. They trust God in the escape in the middle of the night. They trust God as they cross the sea. Moses trusts God as he strikes the rock in the middle of the desert and water comes gushing forth. And likewise, Moses trusts God when he sees that slithering snake in the wilderness and picks it up and it becomes the staff of the Lord. Moses argues with God talks with God, says to God, your people, your people have been doing this. Your people have been doing that. And I'm sure even though the text does not specifically say it, Moses apologizes to God as well in the I threw those tablets onto the ground when I saw what they were doing with that golden calf when I got back. They're all broken. Have you got a second copy for me? Moses then leads them wandering in the wilderness for 40 years until this, as God says, unfaithful generation passes away. How do you eulogize all of that? (laughs) And then the crushing blow that comes to Moses. You can see it, but you can't come in. 
you can see that land of promise as we stand on the top of the hill. But you can't come in. I'm no Moses. Don't want to be a Moses. Don't want to see a bush burning and not consumed. Don't want to see a snake and have to pick it up, even if it is going to turn into a staff. I'm no Moses. But I get the peace about leading God's people in the midst of unknown. Pastors, for better or for worse, lead congregations, sometimes for a long time, both wanted and unwanted, or for short times, wanted or unwanted, and sometimes that blessed in between. And we don't always get to go into the land of promise. We get to see it on the horizon and celebrate with the people. But we don't go. This week is a week in which we remember the Protestant Reformation. Today, we would call Reformation Sunday. Reformation Day actually is Saturday. Um, But, you know, we celebrate it on the last Sunday in October. We, We celebrate and remember the Protestant Reformation. 503 years ago, 503 years ago, Martin Luther put those discussion points on the door of the chapel. He wasn't planning to tear the church apart. He simply wanted to have conversation about things that he felt were so important to the life and faithfulness of the church. But he wanted to start a discussion. And (laughs) of course, those who were in power and those who were making sure all of the things of the church were happening, well, they didn't want to have conversation about those things. They, they liked how the church was functioning, indulgences and all. 503 years ago, the Reformation started. Do you know when it ended? Anyone have an idea about when it ended, when the Protestant Reformation officially ended? Pretty over here running the slide says it hasn't. That's a true answer. But scholars say that it was 131 years before the Protestant Reformation was officially over. 131 years for the church to have conversation and make plans about the 99 points that Martin Luther had made. Now, our reading tells us that Moses lived to be 120 and his eyesight was barely dimmed and Apparently, he just drifted off and they buried him somewhere and nobody knows. 
in the Protestant Reformation. Those who began it never got to see what truly happened because of their questions, because of the things they asked of the church. Some would say that's because the Protestant Reformation is not really over. And if you think about it, the church is so much like that. We have hopes and dreams for the life of the church that we will never see. Whether you're sitting in the pews today or watching this on Zoom, you have hopes and dreams for the life of the church that you may never see. Like Moses, we may see a vision and hope for a dream, but we may not live into it ourselves. So the question of the day becomes, do we therefore stop doing what God asks us to do? Simply because we won't be around to see it. And that's where we say, God forbid. Ecclesia reformata semper reformanda. The church reformed always reforming or always being reformed by the word of God. And that's a capital W, which means being reformed by Christ. This simple phrase is really what we as Presbyterians, as part of the Reformed community, stand upon as we are the church. Ecclesia reformata, semper reformanda. The church reformed and always being reformed. It says who we are, the reformed people. But it also says who we intend to be, a people that are always changing. Walter Brueggemann, noted scholar in the life of Christianity here in the States, has reminded us that the crisis, he says, in the U.S. church has almost nothing to do with being liberal or conservative. It has everything to do with giving up on the faith and discipline of our Christian baptism and settling for common, generic U.S. identity that is in part patriotism, part consumerism, part violence, and part affluence. <laughs> Ouch. And we come to expect that out of Brueggemann. He doesn't ever hold back. And the church shouldn't either. If the church reformed, always being reformed is who we claim 
to be as God's identity for us, reformed and always being reformed. Then there's always going to be a time where we don't walk into God's future for this church, for Hamilton Union. I know that for myself. There will be a time where I leave and you go on to a new pastor with all sorts of wonderful things. And I will see from the top of that mountainside where you're going. If you choose to go. If you choose to be reformed by God's spirit. If you choose to go out into the world, sowing seeds of peace and hope. If you go out into the world, feeding those who are hungry in body, mind, or spirit. If you clothe the naked, visit those who are imprisoned. And it's not just those who are in the prison system, but those who are imprisoned. Likewise, in body, mind, and spirit. There is always, and there should always, be something out on the horizon that the church is straining to look for, straining to see, straining to become. There should always be some hope, some future, some joy that you can catch a glimpse of and know that that is the direction for the church. Moses, as it turns out, did that throughout his entire life. He didn't want it at first. God knows he didn't want it. And that's why a burning bush was sent. But God and Moses had a deal. Moses said, I will trust you. And God said, that's a good thing. As people of faith, let us trust in God. For God is with us this day and always. Amen. Amen. It's good to have everyone with us and uh, good to have a few people here in the sanctuary and good to have the rest of you at home um, and in your homes and looking forward to uh, a time after our uh, worship this morning uh, online to have a little fellowship time as well. Uh, you received via email or via the mail uh, the announcement for the week of things that are happening in the life of the church.
Um, I would specifically call your attention to the All Saints uh, insert and information in your bulletin. All Saints Sunday is next Sunday, and it is a day set apart in the life of the church for us to remember and celebrate uh, the saints who have lived among us and who in this last year have gone on to the eternal kingdom. And so if you have someone in your life who has died, who has been particularly important to you, uh, you're invited to write down the name and the relationship of that person. And we will have a special insert in the bulletin and a part of our liturgy next week that will remember and give thanks to those folks, to God for those folks. We will also then have candles here on the communion table and around to, uh, to light and to help us to remember the now 235,000 plus people who have died in the last eight months of COVID-19 here in the United States. Um, so please, if you have a name in particular, please let us know in the church office. You can send an email, you can make a call, you can send a note. Um, we'd be happy to receive that information. If you haven't already turned in your survey about hybrid church and your participation in live or Zoom worship coming up, please do. Uh, we need to have that information so that we can continue to make plans and um, you know, take note of all of those sorts of things and the things that are happening this week. Presbyterian Women is happening on Tuesday and there's a need for a couple, a one or more people to do the Bible study. Charlotte can tell you more about that. And there's all the regularly scheduled things that are happening uh, in the life of the church. I would also highlight that uh, that the uh, excuse me that the mission committee went to uh, the food bank on Thursday. And um, I see Lindsay here. Lindsay, is there a report about that, a, a joy of that that you could share? Yeah, it was a good experience. I think um, for, for me, I mentioned this to um, Betty and Wayne as we left that it was mixed emotions. It was wonderful to see what great work they're doing there and how huge the operation is. I had no idea how big it was. Um, so that was wonderful to see. It was also, um, you know, sad at the same time to realize that there is a need. There's that great of a need for um, for food across the area. So um, it was mixed emotions, but I'm so glad we did it. And Layla can't wait to go back and do it again. Wonderful. That's that's wonderful to hear. Um, Nikki, are you with us? Can you say a word about yesterday and Presbyterian women? I don't see Mickey. Can Charlotte or someone or Nancy or someone, can you share a word with everyone? Probably um, Cindy might be better to speak Cindy? to our food drive yesterday. Just there for a while, but I, my God, I was there like at 20 after one. I was amazed at how many the amount of donations, but Cindy's got her finger on the pulse of what went on. Un unmute yourself, Cindy. Thank you. Uh, we we did have quite a few people drop food off in the beginning, and then we kind of had a lull. But the cash donations were wonderful twelve hundred and five dollars, uh, and just 
uh, FYI, too, yesterday the Boy Scouts also had a food drive, and that brought in, brought in 3,300 pounds of food. So wow. it it's really been a good community. Uh, you know, the generosity and the people are so happy to do it, too. It, Wonderful. Wonderful. It's a, it's, it's a wonderful thing. And you can see with what a little seed can do um, in this sort of fashion. So that's a, a wonderful thing. Friends, then let us come to God in prayer. Let us pray. Almighty God, as our days shorten, and as the leaves fall from the trees, we turn to you, our unfailing source of light and life. While we wonder what tomorrow will bring, we are certain of your love for us, no matter what challenges we face. We trust your promise to never abandon us and your power to uphold us all our days. We marvel that you choose to be in relationship with us, forgiving us repeatedly and surrounding us with grace daily. Confident in your never-changing character of mercy and kindness, we turn to you, we turn to you now in prayer, laying bare our hopes, our fears, and the longings of our hearts. Oh, great Alpha and Omega, there is no corner of creation that does not belong to you, that is not beloved by you. We neglect our neighbors and ignore our siblings who cry out for help. But like a nursing mother, you cannot forget your children. Bring to our minds those for whom you would have us pray this day. Be with Ruth's family upon her death. And as they realize how life continues to go on. Be with our world in the midst of pandemic. And with our nation as things seem to continue to divide. And as we ponder our place in voting, we are grateful for the ministries of the food bank and the food pantry. And for our, our ability to come together as a church and make impact in our world. As we Remember the hurting and vulnerable you hold especially close. Give us the courage to tend to them in ways that reflect your compassion and justice. Remind us yet again that when one part of the body hurts, we all suffer until that time we all rejoice together. God of all that is seen and unseen, you give us your commandments that we might live in ways that reflect your will and make abundant life 
for everyone. All of the law and the prophets is summed up in loving you with our whole heart and soul and mind and strength and loving our neighbor as ourselves. We ask, therefore, that our love of you and one another be tangible and transformative. Send your spirit to enable us to practice mutual forgiveness, radical hospitality, generous mercy, and relentless kindness. Help us to be gentle with one another, with the earth and with those desperate for relief and compassion. Loving God, we pause to rest in your presence, knowing that we are approved by you to be entrusted with the message of the gospel. We ask to be bold in our witness and humble in our service for the sake of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who taught us to say when we pray, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. chosen ones, holy and beloved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Bear with one another, and if anyone has a complaint against another, forgive each other. Just as the Lord has forgiven you, so also must you forgive. Above all, clothe yourselves with love 
which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you now this day and always. Amen. Amen.